listeners, just as before before we start, just a, as we started the Zoom conversation, I had a message come through from Kenny on Telegram saying that's me in, and I said it's very nice nice of you to let me know. So if that's that's about as rude in your window as written as I'll, I'm I'm prepared to get. Anyway, cue the titles. You're back with the Power of Three podcast, the podcast that said it was only going to do one episode a week. And then, of course, we've broken our New Year's resolution within, what, 10 days, 11 days of it all coming about. I'm Kenny Smith. I'm back as usual. And joining us for the first time in 2024, the man, the myth, the other legend, the man whose cinema prowess is second to none. And it looks like he's got the weirdest rating system if you follow him on Facebook and are friends with him. <laughs> yes. You're not, you're not the first person to comment on that, but it's it's the date. I, me being a, a memory obsessive, I like to just record the date of when I go and see things, you see. That does Hello, make listeners. sense. Hello, listeners. David Steele here. Welcome back. Thank you for joining us. I can't believe it's only the first episode I've been on this year. I feel like I, I haven't stopped recording podcasts at all for the last two months. Although we're, we're having a bit of a an odd time on the, the old Earth 2 podcast because Peter's on laryngitis for the last couple of weeks. So we're, um, we've got two weeks in a row of omnibus repeats, like what used to happen with Doctor Who during the Christmas holidays in the 70s. And then Logan and I have recorded a couple of um, fill-in episodes that spin out of one of the other omnibus repeats. So that's quite exciting. Um, Yes, why are we here today, Kenny, spontaneously, my suggestion two minutes ago? Well, it's either because you want to discuss my cheeky comment in the Ian Levine Doctor Who forum, (laughs) <laughs> or I'd like to discuss the subject on which I commented on the Ian Levine Doctor Who forum. I think we should do both. Yes, <laughs> I um, I was listeners. I was blocked by Ian Levine years ago. It must be going. I hadn't been at the fort that long, so it could even be nearly ten years ago. I was blocked on my main Twitter account when um, Christopher Barry sadly died. You know, the director of such important Doctor Who stories as um, Power of the Daleks, the Demons, and. Brain and Morbius, um, and many others. And Ian Levine tweeted something cretinous, like, um, and this, you've got to remember, this was around the time of the Omni rumour, which was basically that every episode of Doctor Who was back ever, apart from um, the Feast of Stephen and the two episodes of the Invasion. And Philip Morris's name was in everyone's lips because we, we assumed and hoped and were all convinced that he was going to give us some more episodes back before too long. And Ian Levine, and I remember this really clearly because I I, I was in the queue. Was it was it a was it Poundland? <laughs> was I in the queue Poundland at Glasgow Fort? I think it was Poundland. So before I anyway, and I was I was in buying milk, you know, to drink at my, on my lunch break, and I remember very clearly reading Ian's tweet, which said something along the lines of, "Poor Christopher Barry, someone else who won't see who." won't see what Bloomin' Philip Morris has got back or something or nothing. And it's basically Ian Levine sort of using the death of Christopher Barry to have a pop at Philip Morris for not giving back lots of missy episodes that he claimed. And I just sort of, I can't even remember what I said. I should look it up. I'll look it up. I'll see if I can find it, right? And we can post a screenshot on the Facebook page. That'll be a laugh. And I just sort of said something like, you know, that's, that's, I wasn't the, you know, that's, that's pathetic. Something like that, you know, that's really, that's really low. And, and he blocks me almost immediately. And I think on the same day, Nev Fountain, who's an excellent chap and a brilliant writer of many, many things, he replied to him saying, never mind the, the Daleks or anything like that, Ian, you're the um, the greatest monster Doctor Who's ever created. <laughs> I should point out, so, Dave, um, I made a very similar comment to exactly the same tweet that Mr Levine posted. And I found myself right. banned and blocked on his Twitter. But this was in this Facebook group. But I've just put in a gentle comment right. saying that um, saying that when he's talking about he does more to promote the Blu-ray releases than anyone else yes. to his 20,000 fan or followers. Yes. And I just pointed out, well, Russell T. Davis is quarter of a million. And Is that, that on That was on his Instagram? Or Instagram? That was a comment about, that was on Facebook in the Ian Levine Facebook group. And, no, no, uh, I know that. No, oh, sorry, and, is, yeah, on Russell. Instagram. Russell was on Insta, yeah. yeah. Exactly, Russell. If Russell, you know, Russell's reach is massive, and this is you know, this is not going to be a complete anti Ian Levine episode by any stretch. Because after all, 
he produced Could It Be Magic for Take That. <laughs> Absolutely. Didn't he oh, find a couple of adult episodes oh, that he doesn't like to talk about? I don't know. I'm much more in, I'm much more concerned with the fact that he produced Take That's first top ten single. We should get him on one day, but that'd be hilarious. We can't condemn you on the being completely because you know he has done some brilliant stuff. He recovered a lot of episodes in the seventies and eighties and prevented a lot from being destroyed. So he deserves a lot of credit. I think I think it would, you know not to turn this completely into an Ian Levine discussion episode, but I think it would do him a lot of good to stay off social media. Can't be good for his blood pressure. But anyway, no, we're here today, listeners, because long rumoured, long rumbled, long hinted at, long moaned about by Ian Levine because it hadn't been announced. But today we found out on the eleventh of January that the next Doctor Who Blu-ray collection box set would be season fifteen. Wow! Shall we hear a little bit from the trailer just now, Dave? Oh, go on. Escape from this hell. Escape to where? Only you can decide that. I do not run from battle or cower from machines. It is his wish, my lady, that you survive. Whose wish? The Doctor. He is here. The Doctor is waging war. The end is coming and you are his only hope for the future. My lady, I beg of you, activate the Wayfinder, escape- Exterminate! 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 The Daleks are victorious! You are wrong! Identify! Identify! I am Leela, warrior of the Sabatine and of Gallifrey, friend of the Doctor. While we live, your victory is short-lived. Your statements are meaningless. The Doctor will be destroyed. His acolytes will be exterminated! That is not how this ends. Alert! Alert! Transport device detected! Exterminate! And wow, that was not the trailer I was expecting. Oh! Do you say that because you know things, you trickster? No, no, no. I'm just saying I was expecting something that wasn't going to be time warrior. I thought it was going to be something like a, a bit more placid and sort of like, here's a nice cam, Leela. But I didn't expect right. to be getting an episode that to me felt like an adjunct to Day of the Doctor. Yeah, I mean, at first you could have imagined something like what we got with um with what Maureen did for, for season two as Vicky. You kind of thought you might get that. But no, it was, um, it was stunning. Like, as always, you know, um, it, not spoiled as such, but I was at the cinema this afternoon, listeners, um, and because I've got lots of days off at the moment, and I'm taking advantage of them. And I came out obviously, and you know everyone's posting the trailer, which has the shot of Louise and the Gallifrey clothes, and it was like, ah, right, okay. So I, I thought I'd better watch this as quickly as possible before I get it completely ruined. And it was amazing. Like I, I was a bit. I wasn't utterly convinced at where Louis, uh, where Leela materialised. To be honest, I wasn't convinced by that. But that's just me being picky. But it was glorious. I mean, 
I've said many times, many, many times, and I will say it many times, Louise Jameson is the best actor, the greatest actor to ever appear in Doctor Who, and she's phenomenal in this. You do not doubt for a second who you're watching. You know, it's Leela, of course it's Leela, she's phenomenal. And as you say that, you know, are you gonna, my, one of my earliest, my first thoughts actually was, oh, is Kenny gonna be on the phone to Al, suggesting we get some Daleks in this, um, this color scheme? <laughs> they are rather cool. That did cross my mind, Dave, funnily enough. I thought, yeah, there's some new Daleks there. That sort of completely... I, I would actually personally say that colour that they're in is David Steele. But uh, that sort of silvery sort of... It looks like David Steele to me. That's funny. I like that. No, it was great. I mean, because instantly, like, you know, and listeners, we're presuming anyone listening will have watched this trailer. If you haven't, go and do it now because I'm going to get really specific. That red Dalek that we saw is the same one that we saw in, like, you know, Stolen Earth and Journey's End and all that, isn't it? Yes. Same colour scheme, same design. I'm assuming it's the same Dalek, obviously having survived the time war, etc. And it's the same one that squared up to Louis, to to Louise or Leela as I'm trying to mangle it. That was amazing. I mean, even just the shot of the the big chunk of glass falling off the dome as after the Daleks fired on it, that was amazing. Yep. Really, really like I mean for a, for a trailer for a Blu-ray box set, it's incredible that they're going. You know, we've talked about these trailers before, but it's next level. That, that must have cost a fortune. Yeah, drone shots and everything to get like the Dalek aerial views looking down and Leela, and I mean for the use of the Daleks as well, they'd have to pay for the use of them. The CGI involved. Exactly. It's kerching. Of course. And it's worth it. Of course. It's absolutely worth it. Leela didn't meet the Daleks on television. Of course. So yeah. She kind of has now. Amazing. Yep. Another little picked off for people that worry about such things yep. no it was glorious it was so cool yeah season 15 it's an interesting it's an interesting pick yeah interesting consider pick. how it starts and um, where it goes because I mean if you, you know going through it story by story we start off with Horror of Fang Rock which completely feels like a continuation of what's gone before in the Hinchcliffe mm. era but it's still amazing you know that Terence pretty much knocked this together when what eventually became the State of Decay was pulled and yeah. it's, it's a fantastic story just that the claustrophobia the limited setting I mean it is the ultimate base under siege and arguably it's never been done better in Doctor Who that format it's an interesting one this season is one that I I've said in the past in my earliest memories of Deadly Assassin and I remember bits of Talons and bits of Robots of Death obviously Robots of Death got a, a Christmas omnibus repeat or two part repeat I think as well but season 15 pretty much all of them I can remember chunks of whole chunks of it from from broadcast very clear memories of fang rock of the doctor hanging off the ledge and the point of view shots of the rutan and it's actually it's interesting that you know it's only a couple of stories as the crow flies after robots of death but they're actually quite similar in a way you know um small cast in an isolated place getting taken out by baddies and circumstances and monsters but it's and it's and I also say as well maybe it's because of that but horrifying rocks in my top five my all time top five I think it's 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 masterful I, it's one that I watch and rewatch and stick on regularly and every time it still feels fresh it's still completely satisfying the cast are amazing Tom for all his alleged bad mood about being in um having to go up to Birmingham to film is is excellent Louise is off the charts as always it's it's brilliant I remember I have really really clear memories of seeing the book cover mm -hmm. in the sort of book club newsletter thing that we got it's I mean I was almost when was when did horrifying rock go out let's get the transmission dates let's get the transmission dates so horrifying rock went out in September 1977 so I was four and a half and honestly it's it's it, I'm not lying listeners genuinely I remember whole chunks of it very very clearly as, as I was saying I remember the, the cover that famous book cover of the Doctor with the bowler hat and the rope and I remember yep. seeing it you know because I started school in 1978 I think the book came out in 1978 so I remember seeing it being offered in the you know whatever the, the free sheet was called there might be someone out there that, that remembers what the what the book club thing that they would have sent book you know because I remember getting another book called Pigs in Blankets <laughs> I remember seeing this Doctor Who and just being like hmm so yeah, Fang Rock's just like, it's amazing. I'm interested that they've um, done new special effects for it. Yes. What did you think of the new Rutan? I was speaking with, um, I was speaking with Al Dewar earlier today, and he thought right. it looked like um, a space bollock. Um, I can see where he's coming from. 
<laughs> if you pardon the expression. No, I think it looked it looked fine. It looked I mean, I quite like the I've always thought the one that we got on TV originally looked like a you know, just a fried egg that'd been covered, you know, sprinkled liberally with, with green food dye. I think it looks fine. I prefer the I like the things I think I really like the original. I think the original is really effective, it doesn't really need to be improved. But it's got a touch of the Quater Masters about it, it's got a touch of the Mars attacks. It's interesting. I'll be interested to see what it looks like properly in the story. Yep. And just Dave, live update from Twitter for you. All right. Earlier on today, I commented saying an absolutely unbelievably great trailer for the Doctor Who season 15 box set. It feels like a cutaway from Dave the Doctor. I want more. Thank you, Pete McTie. Pete McTie has just liked said tweets. Hooray. Thank goodness for Pete McTie. God bless him. <laughs> um, That's very nice of Pete to like your tweet. Does he follow you? He doesn't, actually. He should. Oh, gasp. Somebody who's not in my bottomless contact address book. Who, who's the um? Who's the most famous person who follows you on Twitter? Sheridan. Right. Colin Baker. Right. I'll, go, I'll take Sheridan. I'll go with Sheridan. Mine's is the National Gallery in Trafalgar Square. <laughs> that's what. That's quite good. Follow, the National Gallery follows me on Twitter. Make of that what you will, listeners. Do I sound elite and snobbish? Yeah, damn right I do. Anyway, or a fan rock, superb. Can't wait. Love it. So yes, then we move on to Invisible Enemy, and we get to meet K9. Ooh. Ooh. And the creation. See, that's the thing. If I was right, looking at the transmission dates for that one, that went out between obviously September and October, nineteen seventy-seven. Um, episode four was on what? Oh, just about a, a week before my dad's thirty-seventh birthday. Oh my <laughs> goodness. Invisible anyway, man. Never mind K9, that bloody great prawn. Still, like, to this day, I can I can remember the behind the couch, you know, hiding behind the cushion moment of that cliffhanger when that's revealed. I mean, all the people walking about with the weird stuff in their faces and people getting zapped. And yeah, I really like the Invisible Enemy. Probably for different reasons to everyone else, to be honest. But um, yeah, it's, it's, it's one that I... So even you know, it was one of the latest, the, one of the, the later VHS titles to come out. It's not one that I revisit very often, probably because it scares me to death. <laughs> Listen, yeah. genuinely, I I've eaten prawns in my whole life, like once or twice, and that's by accident because I've been in a sandwich or a salad. And I didn't realise. I am astonished that people can eat prawns, don't they? Have they not seen the Invisible Enemy? <laughs> I love prawns. Love a prawn cocktail. And uh, I very nearly stuck my finger in a prawn ring yesterday, but I didn't. It was going cheap Thank in Morrison's. And uh, I Thank declined the chance. That. But no, I quite like it. I think it's the model work in it is fantastic. I think the, st- the story's great. I mean, I love the whole fantastic journey kind of thing. Uh, mm. I think it's a, it's, a, it's a good sci-fi story. I mean, it's okay, maybe it's not yep. the best realised when it comes to the creature. So John Leeson does a great job with the the voice of the... The nucleus of the swarm. Thank you very much. That was the term that I was racking my brain for, but didn't find it. But of course, Dave, anybody who actually wants to find out your thoughts on the story should listen to The Power of Three, Episode 9, Scary Monsters, in which yes. we discussed Invisible Enemy at length. Yes, we did. Quite an early one when we sort of... I remember you and Tom being quite surprised when I picked my story that had scared me the most, or, you know, it scared me the most. And that's, that's the thing. I can still remember how seen it as a kid. Watching it as an adult, you're kind of aware that you know that maybe what was what was it, the director's name? Derek Derek Goodwin. Derek Goodwin, yeah. I believe he was, I believe he was a special a BBC special effects guy or production manager, or something that was given the chance to kind of step up because of the, the high amount of visual effects work. It's an interesting one. I remember there's a really unnecessary sequel, prequel, big finish story of it, which I found baffling. <laughs> I wouldn't name the, I wouldn't I wouldn't name names. Won't get any further than that. So yeah, it's an it's an interesting one. Yeah, and as you say, we've talked about it at length, so we probably don't need to talk about it again, but honestly, to a four-year-old who's never seen a prawn before, that creature is terrifying. That is nightmare fuel to, to, to a little kid. And I've, I've never forgotten it. Well, let's move on, Dave, so you're not terrified. I don't want you Thanks, to pass mate. out. Let's Thanks, move on and have a quick chat about Image of the Fendal, which I think is sometimes overlooked mm. as one of the great Doctor Who stories. I think it's got everything that you would want in a Hinchcliffe story. It's very much got the like the gothic horror, the sort of the influence of old hammer horror films there. For example, a bit of Quatermass in the pit. 
and um, just the whole the yeah. body horror, the possession, and you're almost there's like some, black magic elements. So it's yeah, quite, there's, there's quite dark. Yeah, there's elements of the devil rides out to it. It's obviously oh, yes. very, very contemporary. The whole thing with the sc- fixate and the skull is obviously very quite a in the pit. This is this is a weird one that I don't have particularly clear memories of it. I, this one, I have fairly vague memories of this one, but I remember the novelization very clearly from the first time I read it, all the stuff at the beginning with the hiker um, and stuff. That's, that's terrifying, like, you know, I'm going to find the line that, that literally has been lodged in my head. Here we are. I'll read the first paragraph, listeners. A man was hurrying through the woods. Dusk was falling and the road was dark and lonely. Wakening owls hooted mournfully in the shadowy treetops. The hiker was near the end of his day's travel. He thought longingly of the crowded bar of some village pub, of pints of beer and cheese rolls, of lights and tobacco smoke, and the babble of conversation. He kept thinking someone was following him. It's that line about beer and cheese rolls, Mm -hmm. because, (laughs) and here's where my old spectrum brain comes in handy. I remember sneaking a can of beer that belonged to my parents, either from the fridge or from their room or something, and making a cheese roll <laughs> at the age of about nine, eight or nine, probably. There was no, you know, and not getting very far with the beer, to be honest. You are so paisley. Yes. Beer and cheese, just like, you know, because it's one of these things, it's, it's such a simple but very evocative bit of prose from Terence. It's, it's gorgeous. And, um, the book is, is one that, that is long legged in my mind. That opening paragraph lives in my head rent free, as the kids might say. But it's actually a really, really dark story. I think it would benefit from losing an episode. I think it's got a, bit, a little flabby. I think if it had been only 3D, it would have been much, much better, a bit tighter. I mean, you could say the same about Face of Evil. If Face of Evil was three episodes, it would be, it'd be perfect. But there's some really, really, really dark stuff in this. Like, with the Doctor, um, Getting the gun off of the, you know, the, the altar and giving it to um, to the man from Day of the Daleks, mm-hmm. and then you hear the gunshot. You know, that's they wouldn't do that nowadays. There's no, no way. That's that's incredibly adult. That's terrifying. The DVD is only a PG for crying out loud. You've got the brilliant stuff of Leela's relationship with Adam, which is glorious. You kind of think for a second it'd be nice if Adam had gone with them. Big finish, don't spoil it by giving his image of the Fendal part five in the next box set. Please don't please don't do that. Um you, you know, Wanda Ventham's in it for crying out loud. She's she's great. Um and there's also like you know, the Fendal themselves are absolutely terrifying. Again, it's another one if you're a kid, it'd be just you know, these giant slugs. It's and you know, as you said about some of the other, the the rendering isn't perfect, but it's probably about as good as it could be. And you know, it's, it's re- again, it's another one. It's absolute nightmare fuel. Of course, when Wanda, you mentioned Wanda Bentham there, when she was doing this, she had left a one-year-old at home to go out and do this job. So she had little Benedict himself. Mm. Yes, I have a I have a fascinating fact for you about Image of the Fender. In the seventies, and in ITV, there was a, a sitcom by the chap who wrote um, Billy Liar. I can't remember Keith. Someone, I think his name was. The sitcom was called The Upchat Line. Then there was a second series called The Upchat Connection. The Upchat Line starred John Alderton, famous, of course, for being married to Pauline Collins. The second series starred the late, great Robin Nedwell. And it's basically revolves around a character or an alias called Mike Upchat, who's used by different various men, homeless and slightly dodgy men. But in the first series of The Upchat Line, which was broadcast round about the same time that Image of the Fender was going out. Wanda Ventham and Dennis Lill appear in one episode. Wow. And Good the lady who plays Granny Tyler is in an episode as well of this this sick part sitcom that was going on broadcast round about the time Image of the Fender. It never pops up in any information that I've ever seen about Doctor Who. The coincidence of it, these three actors that had all been in, you know, this one Doctor Who story also appeared in this short-lived tiny sitcom. If you've never seen it, it's worth checking Worth checking out. I think Network put it out on DVD. That's when I bought it. Cause I, was, I remember seeing it in the shop and just being fascinated by it. And it went in the sale once, and I was like, right, I'm getting this. And it was, again, fascinating. Really, really, really interesting. Made, makes you think, was this was there really this whole subsection of London 
London's population that basically lived out of luggage lockers and, and railway stations and just, you know, lived on the seat of their pants. It's really, really interesting. And it's a, it's a very, um, a very, very interesting ending to the whole thing as well. And of course, they changed the lead actor halfway through and the way that they swap lead actors is very, very interesting. It's not quite a regeneration, but it's, um, it's interesting. So, Image of the Fendal. Yeah, I wonder, I wonder what the special effects... I wonder if we do the special effects for that one. I have no idea. I don't think it's listed. I don't think it's listed. I think it's only right. horror of fine rock. Uh-huh. Hmm. Right. Well, see, I've, I've not the chance to. I've not the chance to look at a, a proper list of all the effects yet. Or sorry, all the, the extra features yet. So maybe do that once we once we ring off. Yeah. Then, of course, next up is the Sunmakers, which is a story that I find really funny in bits. And other times, I just think because it's the seventies and there's hyperinflation going on, it looks so cheap and that puts up and puts me off a little bit. But the script is great, but you need to, I think you need to be in the mood for it and patient and then you can enjoy, you can actually enjoy the script. It's just that the visuals are very difficult to get by. Yes, strongly agree. I can't really add to that. It's a, it's a weird one in some way because I think my opinion of it changes every time I watch it. I remember when I did my big watch through, which started in 2008, when I got to it, I really didn't enjoy it. But then a few years after that, I did a Leela watch. I can't remember why. I can't remember what prompted. I think Louise replied to one of my tweets or something, or liked one of my tweets. Um, and that prompted me to just watch all of her stories again. And this, when I watched it that time, I loved it. It's another one I've got really clear memories of um, from broadcast, especially at the end when they throw when they throw the man off the top of the building. Yes. And he shouts, "Don't you dare!" Because, and I can't remember the full context for this. Fox Bar in 1977. Um, I have a vague recollection of some slightly bullying type hectoring call that people would sing at other kids or just sort of sing, Don't You Dare, Dare, Dare. I'm not sure where it came from, it might have been from a song, but that's always lodged in my head because I remember when, they, when they're flinging the man off the top of the roof and he shouts, Don't You Dare, that I remember starting to sing that song that me and a couple of our pals have been singing at someone else a couple of days earlier this is the stuff that lodges in your head listeners I tell you absolutely because we can only watch it once when it went out you paid attention and you're you know so yeah four years old and i can remember this it's insane so, so it's an interesting one in some makers very distracting because obviously michael keating's in it yep. very close to blake and starting and you know the the, the rumors that they were going to kill leela off which I think is that would have been a terrible decision, would not have suited the story at all. No. Because it is quite frivolous. The giant credit card type stuff, you know, mm-hmm. Tom starting to... Uh, we should have said, actually, Image of the Fendals when Tom starts dicking about, but when he holds up, you know, three minutes or holds up four and four fingers or five, you know, holds up one and looks at the camera and says, time's running out. That's when you can tell that Tom's starting to get a bit silly. And it happens a bit more than the Sunmakers when he's in the sort of gas chamber shower. Mm-hmm. shower unit thing and you know the end of the cliff you know one of the cliffhangers and he's mugging and pulling down faces with a camera you can tell this is the beginning of you know there's such a quantum shift in what you and what he's doing in horror fang rock and what he's doing two or three stories later it's very very interesting this is you can see that he's obviously pulling against whatever graham williams is trying to do and he's flexing his muscles a little bit and they're not doing the best job at reining him in so watch out for all that sort of stuff, listeners, if you've not watched these episodes in a while. Yeah. It's really interesting to see in real time. Was Sunmaker's not the, no- the final Tom Baker story being novelised? Or am I am I completely wrong on that? I can picture it with the neon logo on it, but... I could be wrong. I've got a feeling it was it was it came out a long, long time after it was broadcast. Hmm. A long, long time. Interesting. Horrible cover as well. Look at that. Yeah. I, for years I thought it was, you know... I thought it was a Suntaran. Anyway, <laughs> with eyebrows. Moving on to Underworld. Yes, Underworld. Is it underpants, Dave? Well, see, this is me when this is when I get accused of being contrary. Because again, it's another one that I remember really, really clearly. I remember a lot of the, the cliffhangers when they're get they're sort of getting tipped out of the the thingy. And I remember all the um I kind of is it little little trains of kind of rocks or whatever. Um I think it's the, one of the best first episodes in the series history. All on that, the, the Minion spaceship and all the stuff with Louise being, sorry, Leela being manipulated by the sort of like emotion gun type thing. The the different spin on regeneration. If you were to watch the first episode and not watch any more, you'd probably think, 
wow, this one's probably epic. But you know, it's it's another one of these ones that's made in desperation. Um, they had the you know the idea of let's just use virtual sets, let's just use models, and I can get past it. It doesn't put me off. I don't. I don't. It doesn't get in the way for me to um to prevent me from watching it and enjoying it because I think the first episode gives it quite a lot of impetus and that that lasts that goodwill if you like lasts and there's all the good jokes that, that you would appreciate about Aberdeen and, and such like absolutely with the radiation and yep and and all that and um it's I don't think it's underpants because there's some there is some good stuff in it but you can it's one of these ones they were really trying to stretch what they could do and they probably didn't have the adequate technology or resource to do it properly compare it to say um wild blue yonder from a few weeks ago there yeah and they're, in some ways they're doing exactly the same thing virtual sort of sets and you know and we obviously you know i would love if they had the, the complete raw studio footage for underworld and were able to completely redo all the the scenes with the you know that would be so on the CS model can you imagine and it's got and it's it's interesting as well because there's a few other familiar faces from tv of the time you know in the cast list it's um it's an interesting one I, I'll, I will never condemn it there are a lot of other stories that I would I would rather I would watch Underworld over than you know that you know like I won't, I won't go into specifics because that would be boring it could be seen as petty but it's, it's a story I, I don't have a problem with watching or enjoying what about you? do you know what I was thinking about this area and think I've probably only watched Underworld four or five times in my life right it's just one that's I'd say episode one's entertaining, but the rest of it, I just sort of feel... Uh, I just feel there's a struggle. I, I don't feel any urge to carry on with it, much as I love K-9, right. but, I mean, the, I don't know, there's just the look of it is... It just looks tired, and, you know, like, we've got the guys with... I can't even remember their names with the big helmets on, and then they've got, like, a leather yeah. thing to go on top of their big helmets, and it just looks really weird, and just... <laughs> I don't quite know what it's... So, I mean, I look forward to watching it and you know coming to it afresh because I can't have watched this since the DVD came out and that's obviously a good few right. years ago. So yeah, I look yeah. forward to coming to it fresh and working my way through it. Yeah, I think the um, 2010, looking at the back of the DVD case Oof, when that came out. 14 years then. Um, that probably means when I watched it as part of my, when I watched it, my big watch through, did I watch it in VHS? Did, it, did I even have it on DVD to watch? I can't remember. That's very, that's very interesting. I no, I, I like it a lot. And Louise is phenomenal. It's oh, got she's... stuff with her. It's got stuff with Louise learning to write, and I think she wears the Doctor's hat at one point in it. So there's some, there is some good stuff there. It's not all bad. There's always some some good stuff to be found. I, I remember actually a, t- a short Twitter conversation with Louise when when I mentioned that I was watching on the world and really enjoying what she was doing and she said well thanks for saying that it's not a story that gets mentioned very often so it'll be interesting to watch it again and reappraise it and then of course it all comes to an end with the invasion of time that four-parter with a two-parter tacked on at the end as some people like to cruelly point out I've got very clear memories of invasion of time particularly the very last scene that's my first definite 100% Doctor Who memory with the Doctor getting K9 Mark II full of boxes with canine stenciled inside but that's my memory cheating however i do think i remember the rutan in the staircase saying humans because i've got memory of like green things and i remember asking my mum what's a human and being told we're humans so oh that's good uh so i look forward to watching for the word human in there and see if the, if the rutan does indeed utter the word human so i look forward to seeing that but no i've um listeners when you watch horrifying rock when it comes out in blu-ray soon take a drink every time someone says human see what happens Exactly, it'll be interesting. But I think, I've always had a bit of a soft spot for this. I know it's not the greatest story in the world, but I do think in many ways it sort of preempts quite a lot of the new adventures with the fact that the Doctor's got a plan, he's setting up the Vardans mm. to invade Gallifrey, and then he's out mm. manipulated by the people he's trying to manipulate, and then he's got to see off a new fresh danger. So I think that Invasion of Time was quite influential in its own right that way. But I mean, okay, it's the Vardans don't look the greatest, but the, the new version that they did for um, the DVD release, they were quite smart in that. I think it's quite quite good, and I quite like Derek Deadman as Store. The fact he's just so cockney. I think he, he he actually has a real menace, like a cockney gangster menace to him that yes. perhaps you didn't get from the more erudite Steyer and indeed Commander Jingle Links. 
Invasion of Time is another one that I um I agree with all those points. Invasion of Time is another one I remember very clearly because I I turned it I turned five, I think. Looking at transmission dates, um, I turned five the day after episode five went out. So there you go. Still a few months away from starting primary one. My main memory of this one is Christopher Tranchell, who played Andred, and who fact fans was also in the Faceless Ones in the Massacre. There you go, listeners. You probably knew that. I think he plays Roger Thingy in in um in the Massacre, but I can't remember who he plays in the the Faceless Ones. Christopher Tranchell was a play school presenter. I think he was a pal of Tom Baker. And I remember very, very clearly recognising Andred as Chris from Play School. Play School was a... I don't, is, uh, does Play School still run? I don't think it does. No, it's gone. Long gone. But for, for all our younger and overseas listeners, Play School was a kind of um, a TV programme that was on BBC One in the mornings and weekdays for like, you know, preschool children. And it taught you basic sort of numbers and sort of shapes and stuff. And so you've got drawings and stories and... and um, Chloe Ashcroft was another play school presenter. She was in, ended up being in Resurrection of the Daleks. Brian um, Fred Hattisberry. Yeah, Brian Cant. Brian the Dominators can't. Brian, Brian, you utter can't. Yes, he can. And Daleks Masterplan as well, Kurt Gantry. That's right. Play school presenters were very much like Blue Peter presenters and they were almost kind of like surrogate big brothers and sisters or aunties and uncles in a way. But anyway, so I remember very sharp as a pin nearly five-year-old David whenever the Invasion of Time was on saying ah there's Chris and whenever Play School was on saying ah there's Andred and this is true I remember doing this <laughs> 40 odd years ago I watched this very recently within the last couple of months I'd stuck it on in the kitchen one day when I was doing lots of comic book filing and it's a great story to have on in the background because you don't really have to pay too much attention to it the dialogue co- covers you and carries you it's another one where you can see Tom is all over the place He's very good in the scenes with Barusa. He's very good. Leela, when he tells Leela to ke- tell K9 to, to shut, to tell her to shut up, that is astonishing. You know, Doctor, that's such a an adult, sophisticated little scene. That's it just says so much about the Doctor and Leela's dynamic. It's it's amazing, and we all know it's a, you know, it's a it was a cheap last minute replacement for the Killer Cats of Ginseng or whatever it was called. Um, I haven't big finished on that one as a lost story. That's what I want to know. Maybe there isn't a script. I don't know. Sort it out, Briggsy. Come on. Um, and that's why it's one that I think works. It's one of the. I remember having a, a laugh with our pal Will Brooks and with Simon Hodges on Twitter a couple of years ago about Doctor Who stories which haven't been animated yet that you would like to see animated. <laughs> and Invasion of Time was one of mine. <laughs> I think. I think if they were to lose the pictures to Invasion of Time and animate it, it would do it a lot of favours. You know, for example, the all the, the scenes in the TARDIS interior in the final couple of episodes, which are actually very, very good and work very well. You know, it's another one where they, they lost studio time, so they had to film some stuff in OB on location and some stuff on film. It's one of these ones when it was an absolute, you know, emergency, a, a race to get it even finished. And I think for all that, it holds up very well. I think it's another credit for how good Louise was that she can just about sell Leela's departure. Louise gets some obviously some really good stuff to do with Leela being outside and all that and it's quite good that it has an awful lot of um it really depends on the the, the viewers I'm almost I'm almost quoting the, the discontinuity guide here but I think it's a point worth making it really follows on really closely from Deadly Assassin and in those days Doctor Who really didn't go in for that type of continuity so often you know most stories were standalone very very rarely did you get that anything that that threw back to anything as, as recently as the previous previous sort of summer so it's um or, or winter or whenever it's a, a a brave a brave failure is that a good way of putting it i'd say so but the thing that I mean, you mentioned the continuity there the fact that they replicated the panopticon designs okay they maybe exactly. they were they were maybe they were lit differently they look green and deadly assassin but were yeah silvery and this but the fact they replicated those designs absolutely there was that visual continuity which was great mm. really enjoyed that really get, enjoyed it yeah getting, getting the character Barusa back and obviously I think they, might, they probably had to rebuild after the devastation of Deadly Assassin you know that's, that's probably the reason but again there's a lot to it I'm, I'm never going to condemn it completely I'm always aware of of the pressures that 
they were undermaking Doctor Who in the seventies. You, men- you mentioned, you know, the the, the soaring inflation rate in it, and earlier. And this is where we have to try and avoid talking in absolute fan cliches because these stories have been discussed, you know, many many times over the years. But it, it's one that when I, re- I remember reading the novelisation, um, and when you read the book, you kind of when you don't have the immediate access to the TV story, you know, you kind of visualise things differently. I mean, I remember the cliffhanger to episode four very clearly. I remember the Suntaran taking its mask off in episode five as being a behind the sofa moment. I remember that being really, you know, cause it was because it was hideous. And this is the thing, you know, when you're four or five years old and you're seeing these things, they are they are hideous. You know, the monsters were, were really unpleasant. Funny you should say that about the Suntaran design because, as you know, I do like my action figures. And when Katie yes. was small, she used to love playing with the Sontarans. They were taking their hats off or their helmets. As she, sure. as she would call them a hat. And yeah. she absolutely hated Store. She thought it was horrible. So she insisted yeah. that he'd always keep his hat on. So yeah. that's, you know, like a four or five year old just was terrified by them. So yeah. Katie, even all these years I later. Katie, I feel it. I agree. I'm with you 100% receiving you an FM. I was exactly the same. Yeah, I mean, so many stories in this season. I remember, I remember doing oh, that pleasing terror, and it'll be um interesting to see what people say about these when they come when they're you know re released and and reevaluated. I wonder how forgiving people will be on some of the shortcomings, or if they'll just go with it and be on their wavelength. It's an interesting one because I remember us talking earlier in the year, or sort of earlier last year, about what the next set might be, and I remember you know you and I debating if it would be season thirteen or season fifteen, and. I keep forgetting about the Key at Time series, but because the DVD box set that was so exhaustive and so complete, I kind of tend not to think about, you know, what else there is left to do with that one. And part of me is a little disappointed that it's not season thirteen just now. But you know, it's it's one to look forward to. There is a lot of good stuff in here. So you said you'd you'd got hold of a list of all the. the I have indeed. I have indeed. I've not seen this yet, so you can you can delight me. Okay, okay. Well, we've mentioned updated special effects on Horror of Fine Rock, which we've come over. New Behind the Sofa, and Behind the Sofa will have Louise Jameson, Colin Baker, Sarah Sutton, Janet Fielding, Matthew Waterhouse, Katie Manning, Betson Roberts, who's the wife of the director, Pennant Roberts, and oh, Toby Haydock. Toby, cool. Good. Good. Toby probably there just to kind of help things along and um, jog a few memories. No, that's good. I like Toby a lot. Yep, he's a good guy. Obviously, the Blu-ray trailer is going to be on there. Uh, there's Darkness and Light, which is a look at the life and career of Graham Williams, which is all new, so I look forward to that. Okay. That's another one from Chris Chapman. Then we've got Matthew Sweet in conversation with Lou Jameson. See, that'll be good. Because the, the last few interviews have been astonishing. Like The, the Nicola Bryant one from, from, from S22 was amazing. The, Bonnie, the chat with Bonnie was superb as well. He's, he's, Matthew's really good at making people relaxed enough that they can, that, that, that they'll open up. I mean, Dave was still quite guarded when he spoke to him in season 19. You could, and you could tell that Hinchcliffe was being very careful about what he said. But he's very he's very good. He's, he's a good interviewer. I like him. I like when he does this. He does indeed. We've also got Inside the Lighthouse, which is a making of the horror of Fine Rock, which didn't appear in the DVD at the time. Cool. We've got Tom Talks, which is Tom Baker musing on life, the universe and everything. So that's going to be fantastic. We've also got new audio commentaries from Tom Baker. And there's right. a 5.1 surround mix on Horror of Fang Rock. There's also, there's also rare convention footage. The Tom Baker Blackpool exhibition links with him saying, hello, goodbye, it's good, isn't it? I like those. There's some rare archive treats, HD photo galleries, infotext, a PDF archive and lots more so it's over seven discs so looking forward to that I wonder if we'll get K9 on Blue Peter because that's always good mm, I remember that and Generation Game no that's been out already hasn't it I remember um, I remember Shep Shep no likey <laughs> I wonder if that was was that on, yeah it was on the DVD yeah it was I will, I will have watched that no but, I mean yeah I mean it's always good that, for me the, thing, the first thing I always watch is a Matthew Sweet interview and then I do the behind the sofas that's the the order I always do it. Then I, I kind of work my way through everything else. So, so yes, Good. looking forward. To it. I've pre-ordered it this evening from my former employers. I'll be going into the shop to order it in person at the weekend, as I um, must do. Well, see, I, I know that the, pa- the past, like some of the, the last couple of years, the shops, at the, the stores, it was just after lockdown. The stores didn't get them immediately, so I just ordered order them from the website, and it's free delivery over twenty pounds. So. Yeah. 
I like to do it in my yeah, own shop and what? support them so that the money goes straight into their tills. Sort Absolutely. Of. So, also, oh, hang on, Dave. I can yes, hear the space time telegraph beeping, and it tells oh. me that Stevie Day would like to drop in and give us a couple of his thoughts on oh, this release. Go for it. Go on, Stevie, join us, please. So, imagine my surprise when uh, my friend Nick posted this on his timeline the final battle. I thought, oh, what is this? Curious as ever? I mean, how can you not be curious about a bit of Doctor Who video? And I was amazed with what I saw. To see and hear Leela as she was at the fall of Gallifrey and to see and to see Daleks and proper drama, boy, that's on a par with the Night of the Doctor. And I just think, oh, I wish we could have that for real as a, as a visual a visual thing. Maybe, maybe RTD needs to just do a complete story and we could just have that slotted into to a series of Doctor Who. That could be a ninth episode or a, a special. It was lovely to see Louise Jameson at her best. As an older Leela, I know we're all getting older, but that was fantastic to see. Just give us a bit of canon of where she goes after the fall of Gallifrey and the fall of Arcadia. <sighs> That's really made my night Really nice going BBC. More, please. Oh, there we go. We've lost we've lost Stevie on the space time telegraph there, but thanks for sending <laughs> us your thoughts there, Mister Day from I Oban. Think, I think someone else must be using using the internet to like to to like um go on message boards or something. That's why he was only able to get on for so long. But thank you, Stevie. God bless you. Yeah, but of course, Steve. <laughs> what's the best thing about a new Doctor Who Blu-ray? Is this a trick question? No, not at all. Not at all. <laughs> What's the best thing when you got through Blu-ray? Um, I don't know, the anticipation? Well, I'd have said that's part of it, but surely part of the anticipation is when The Power of Three gets its exclusive interviews with the people who make the new content. Oh, of course. Of course. It's terrible I didn't think of that immediately, but that's because I don't take it for granted. Yes, of course. Have you, have you already lined the chats up then? I have got four lined up oh my goodness and there's you gonna, potentially two more so it could be over three gonna, episodes are you going to tell us or are you going to tease us I think people should stay tuned but I'm going to tell you now and uh, I think <laughs> oh, oh, oh watch this is this the needle going to slip Dave what did you think of that now that the needle has slipped and uh, I can't believe that that bit's disappeared from the episode um I'm uh. oh excuse me I ate a, a 1.2 kilogram um, Cumberland pie for my tea tonight, tonight listeners, so that's why I just belched there. F fancy a treat. Fancy a treat. Anyway, mm. no, Kenny, amazing. The the Infinite Address book strikes again. We're very lucky that you, the, you have these contacts and that the people are all willing to come on and talk to us about it because it's just all about just all about sharing the love, isn't it? No, it is. I mean, there's, I mean, that's the thing. Can't wait. Make, you... Sure you ask, um, make sure you ask Richard lots of questions about Ian Levine. <laughs> <laughs> sorry the tumbleweeds I didn't hear what you said there because the tumbleweed that was blowing there in my ear sorry I never caught that <laughs> um, but yes I think uh, I think when we're lucky that uh, we've got uh, you know a good a good trust and relationship with the guys who make these yes. things and um, you know we want to know because we're fans we love it they're fans they love it and it's a really nice way to find out yeah you know the love and Absolutely. care and because it takes so long to do of course the guys would love to be yeah. churning them out at five six a year but well, see, the love goes into it to talk about the mastermind the mastermind behind um such musical hits as bad boys inc walking on air again you know it's the way he almost harangues people on socials at times and he's completely he seems to be completely unreasonable in his expectations and completely unself-aware of how he comes across. And frankly, I'm just glad that we're getting these things, you know? COVID could have brought the whole thing to a halt. I imagine the amount of labour involved in each of them is enormous. And Toby's obviously posted on his socials the last couple of days how he's been working quite a lot um, and stuff for the next couple of box, you know, maybe not even the next couple of box sets, maybe some box sets that are further down the line than the next couple. You know, so... We are really, really very lucky. And for me, the anticipation and the and the weights are part of the fun. Absolutely. You know, if, we only, if, we only, if we only get two sets a year, fine, because I know that we're going to get two brilliant sets of work in a year. You know, it's 
I I don't understand the I don't understand the need that some people have to kind of just be critical about something that's obviously just done with so much love. Yeah, absolutely agreed. Don't know. Don't know. Oh well. Oh Dave, thank anyway, you for that. That was a great idea of yours. Thank you, because I was thinking this might be quite good fun to do. So thank you for having that idea. Yeah, that's and, good. Uh, I was um I was I was gonna go I was gonna go to my bed early at night and I just thought when you messaged me about whatever it was you messaged me about that's com- gone completely out of my head. Um I thought let's do it and, and you know as I've sat here I've, I've realised what song I think we should play out with tonight. Okay. Before you make your suggestion, I was thinking of Taylor Swift in fifteen. Ah no, I was gonna go with um From the Underworld by the Herd. Sixties sixties pop brilliance featuring the great Peter Frampton. And in a in sort of um, in praise of that often maligned and desperately underrated story that we've just discussed. Well, I don't know at all. Okay, that makes me intrigued to hear it. So, what's that I can hear I think in the you background? Like it. I, I, oh, I yeah, can hear I can it in the background. The, I, can the, I can hear the bell chiming. <laughs> right. But it's goodbye from me. And it's it's goodbye from me. Take care, everyone, and don't look back in anger. I heard you say. Oh, ah, oh, oh, me bum, oh, me bum, right.